honor to God for this sacred moment to stand behind this desk and to be used by him to talk, to share, to encourage his people. Bring greetings from Knox Presbyterian Church where the pastor Michael Moore is the senior pastor there, the session and the members as well as our mission project, Westminster House Christian Fellowship which I have three members with me, and I'd like for them to stand. I have, stand please. All right. Amen. So we have Evangelist Louise Stewart. To the right of her, you have Elaine Hopewell, and to the right of her, you have Janice Thompson. Uh, Janice is my administrator. She, keep, she keeps me straight. And... Uh, Elaine knows I love to eat, so if you hear banana pudding, that's who you're talking to is me. I love banana pudding, so she provides that. And Louise is our evangelist. She's out in the streets of Baltimore evangelizing, sharing the good news. So God is doing a mighty good work at the Westminster House, 524 North Charles Street. So we invite you to come and visit. Amen. Thank you, Session. Leadership here at Christ our King. We are no longer visitors. Uh, we come up every year for the chili. <laughs> See, I, I, I've kind of shared with them. I'm the smallest of two boys, and our, and our children are bigger than I. And we just love to eat. I had a mother who loved to do cooking. I love to do pull twos, not enough pushaways. And we come up every year, and we are so sorry that we didn't make yesterday. And not schedule, and your schedule collided, and we couldn't make it up, but I'm talking to Pastor now to make sure that next year we're here for the picnic. So we're so glad to be in the house of the Lord. You heard the scriptures read in the back of your bulletin there. I will be preaching from that topic, treasure the unseen. Let us pray. Eternal God, you have given us breath this morning, have awakened us by your spirit to see your glory and your mercies. We are so glad that you have called us out of the darkness into the light. Now, and as we look towards the proclamation of your word, remove all that might be in the way. Allow us to hear and allow the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to be pleasing in thy sight and as well as let the words find fertile soil. We ask this, in the precious name of Jesus the Christ, let all who have gathered say amen. 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 Uh, this morning you see the story there and Jesus is having another encounter. Every time we open up the book, every time we encounter those who are followers, we really have an encounter with God. Amen, church? So we are believers and followers of Christ. So we see here Jesus is modeling, and we hear the words of a parable. We understand parables are a language that Jesus used to communicate a spiritual nugget. Can you imagine walking and folks are threatened by your presence, and they are trying to dismiss you and not listen to you. In this case, they are trying to kill Jesus, so he has to speak in parables. So we see this encounter where this here and now begins to ask Jesus to be the arbitrator and 
to decide what the inheritance should be. This is a very familiar. If you look at verse 15, and he said to them, take heed and beware. And your text says greed and others say covetedness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he or she possesses. Verse 20 goes on to say, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? And then verse 21, so is he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. Powerful scripture. Powerful scripture. Let's unpack. Let's take a look at what is really going on here. Jesus is teaching the multitude to seek treasures through obeying God and not themselves. Not to covet another man's or another person's possessions, but to seek God. And we hear and we see this hearing in the crowd asking Jesus now to be the arbitrator. Proposition this morning, I'd like for you to entertain. Believers have been incredibly blessed by God with material possessions to help others to mature in Christ. Are you with me, church? All that God has blessed us with is not for us to hoard. The world will say, hang on to it. Don't give it away. As an organizer in Baltimore City with the organization called Bill, I learned this principle. And you have zero-sum power, and you have relationship power. And I looked at that, Pastor. What, what, what are they trying to teach us? Well, when you have zero-sum, and you go in your pocket, you might have a dollar, and you give someone else a dollar. That means that you are short a dollar. George Washington, 100 pennies, four quarters, you are down one dollar. That's how the world sees it. But with the perspective of Christ is that when we share our wealth, we are building power by what? Giving away that which God has given us. We are not to hoard this. Had one pastor told me one time, he says, you know, somehow, have you ever seen a Brinks truck following a hearse? <laughs> and I looked at that and I said, I think you got a point there. <laughs> All that we accumulate here on earth, we can't take it with us. So we have to be mindful that our wealth that we accumulate in this world is really to bless others. And Christ our King, you do it every year. Not only here in the continent of the United States, but abroad. Those chili dinners. Oh, Lord have mercy. I love those chili dinners. <laughs> but your presence around your baskets. The Westminster House is one of those places where those baskets end up. And we are just so blessed with your generosity and also your commitment to give. But the world sees it of accumulating wealth. Accumulating wealth. As a professional athlete in, in the NFL, I'm looking at the headlines, and I tell you, it saddens my heart because I came along at the wrong time. <laughs> 
the money that they're making. Now in the NFL, you get into guaranteed money. That means money that you get when you get up from the table. We used to call it a signing bonus, but now we're talking about millions of dollars. And sometimes they do well by it, and sometimes they do not. But when we look at this scripture, I would like to begin to answer how can you treasure the unseen? How can you treasure that? As a teacher in Baltimore County Public School System, my job is to add value to their sons and daughters. Someone did that to me, so therefore I have a passion to give back. Someone saw something in me, just like you see something in your children. I'm the youngest. My brother's five years older. And... We are both athletes. He's a better athlete than me. But my mother knew something was in the both of us, so she nurtured her limited resources to make sure that we had what we needed. I didn't understand how poor I was until I went to Hampton University. Back then, we called it Hampton Institute. And I realized how poor I was in the world sense. But in the eyes of God, I was rich. Because everything I needed, it appeared. Are you with me, church? So how can we treasure that which is unseen? Let's look at verse 15. And he said to them, take heed and beware of greed or covetedness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. You can treasure the unseen by avoiding greed. How many folks saw Wall Street, the first one? But Greco said, greed is good. <laughs> that rung in my mind, greed is good. See, we are spiritual, having a physical experience. So therefore, we have to constantly keep the lens of God and everything that we see and do. Are you with me, church? Or we will wind up doing what they are doing. A lot of times, folks don't want to come into the church house because they say, well, if you're doing that, I can do that over here. Why should I come in? So our mindset, what we do and how we do it makes a big difference. So greed in the eyes of God is not good. We don't want to have a desire. I'll tell you a little story. My wife is not with me today. She's studying for her master's degree. And I'm always reminded, I tell this to my folks at Westminster House. We were married five years, so we're in our sixth year. We dated for eight years. So she says, I want to see more seasons. Anybody heard that before? Sometimes we don't go through enough seasons to really understand the person that we're going to be committed to for life. Well, I was put to the test. We love to walk down the inner harbor. I said, okay. So we're walking down the inner harbor, and I love to eat. She knew that. She says, okay, let's go eat. I'm thinking we're going to Phillips, Rusty Discover. No, 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 no. Let's go up to Hooters. And I said, oh, Lord have mercy. Let me be still for a second. Why are we going there, Pastor? 
She wanted to see if I had wondering eyes. Anybody with me, young man? And she wanted to know, really, am I the apple of his eye, or are you going to be wondering? And I steadfast and watched my food, watched her, watched my food and watched her, watched my food and watched her. So I passed that test. So you have to be mindful that greed is not good in the eyes of God. We have to avoid that. When we see it, we have to speak to it. Working with low-wage workers in Baltimore City, the city wanted to get the best and pay less. Hmm. They want the best and pay less. Well, we organized the first living wage in the nation through Build in Baltimore City, where now they're getting a pay increase every year. So we have to be the church. We have to speak truth to power. So when we see greed in a loving way, we need to call it out. Individually, I'm not saying that every dollar that you make, you just give it away. But even God says, give me 10%, amen? And he gives you 90% to do what you need to do. So he wants us to be good stewards of that which he gives us. Not to hoard it up, to store it up, and say how much I got. My other thing, my wife, we empty nester now. That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> we have four grown children. My youngest decided to come back. He just finished graduate, graduated from art school in York, Pennsylvania. So we gave him about a three-year plan, but I see now I got to pull the reins in a little bit. <laughs> He's getting real comfortable. On the deck, doing barbecuing and everything. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Having a good time. But we want to let him know that, yes, you are welcome all the time, but we will be doing you a disservice if we want to just keep you to ourselves. You have something to give to the world. He don't understand that concept yet. Are you trying to kick me out now? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I remember when I graduated, I had to come back home for a season. Uh, before I moved on. So we have to be mindful that what God gives us is not for us to hoard or to keep and say, look what I got. Uh, It's probably a millionaire sitting in the audience. I don't know that. Sometimes people don't want people to know what they have because a lot of folks come asking for it, correct? So that which is unseen, God wants us to put on the lens and to give back and not to hoard what he has blessed us with. So the possessions that we have, we cannot take with us. We came into this world with nothing, and we will what? Leave this world. We want our children, our grandchildren to be better off. That's okay. But they don't want just to hoard it up when you are not experiencing a loving, kindness relationship with others by giving. Second point, when we look at verse 20, this is a a real good one. It says, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you, then whose will those things be which you have provided? You can treasure the unseen by walking in faith with God. 
Fool is a very powerful word. But Paul was a fool for Christ. Different perspective. The world would think that you are unknowledgeable. You don't know what you're doing. You're making a lot of mistakes, so therefore some folks will call you a fool. Fool, as I understand it, is an ignorant person. The Old Testament says fool, folly indicate moral rather than intellectual deficiency. The fool says in his heart, there is no God, has shut God out of his life. Psalms 41, Psalms 14, verse 1. His evil character is likely to be expressed in gross sin. So God is wanting us to regulate, reorientate our prism. The world says if you don't know, you keep making the same mistakes, you're a fool. How many times we have the notion of we want something good to happen, and we keep doing the same thing, and the same result is not what we want. We call that insanity, right? <laughs> so a lot of times, you got to do a different thing in order to get a different result. But when we are in Christ, the Holy Spirit is going to give you all wisdom. He's going to allow you to see some things that you did not see before. Try coming to a fork in the road, and then you got to go right, or you got to go left. Some folks get so petrified, they just sit still and don't do anything. That is a response, but you got to keep moving, especially if you're in a car and a car's behind you, correct? You just can't sit still. So we want to have the wisdom to be able to see that which we cannot, but God knows your steps are already ordered. Your destiny is already there. God just wants us now to be in relationship with him so that he can show it to us. I was sharing with folks from Westminster. I said, can you imagine if you knew everything was going to happen to you the next moment? That's one response. Boy, yeah. That's okay to talk back to me. But I think you'd be so petrified that you would be really at all. If you knew exactly what's going to happen the next moment, and there are a whole lot of TV shows out there that talks about that, but when we're in Christ and you got that relationship in prayer and meditation and your Bible study and worship, God is going to lead you through your valley. How many folks have been in the valley? How many folks have come out of the valley? That's your testimony. That's why we have fellowship. We're the only institution that God has created. got a cross hanging out on the marquee. Therefore, we are at a higher standard. So we are not fools in God's eyes. All we have to do is pray for wisdom. Seek his face and your land will be healed. But we see here that God is calling him a fool. Hebrews 11.1 1 says now faith. Are you with me church? We're not talking about yesterday's faith or tomorrow's faith. Now faith is the substance 
of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. Try going in that valley not knowing how long you're going to be in that valley, not knowing what you're going to see in that valley. All you have is your faith to pull you through. I see a lot of folks just check out because they lose hope. They lose their compass, their lighthouse, because their faith begins to dwindle based on the circumstance. I'm reminded, you ever notice that a boat will float? I ain't mean it to come out that way, but it did. <laughs> it will float. Buoyancy is a concept. Now, the only way that boat is going to sink is for what? Water to get in the boat. And we would say the boat is taking water. As soon as it takes more water, then it's going to what? Sink. So when you are in your valley and you have faith in you, therefore, whatever the circumstance that you're in is not going to be in you. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar looked there and he said, I put three in, but now I see four. They had faith that allowed them to come through without a scratch. So don't allow the world, because you are not at their standards, you don't have all the degrees or what they're looking for, say fool. No, God said, I did not make any fools. All he wants us to do is to stay in close proximity of him. Walk by faith. Let the Spirit guide you. Enable you. What did Jesus say? I got to go. They didn't understand that. I need to go. Oh, no, don't go. No, no, don't, don't. You can't leave us now, Jesus. And he did not leave them because he said, I'm going to send a helper. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So he's going to help us navigate through this world. Walk by faith, by treasuring the unseen, walking by faith. Faith is seeing the invisible, believes in the incredible, and receives the impossible. Mm, mm, mm. Growing up in Cherry Hill in Baltimore City, I had a dream of playing in the league. Everybody looked at me, you lost your mind. <laughs> From Cherry Hill? You sure you want to do that? I got there. Faith began with my mother's faith. 28-year-old daughter to a 27-year-old daughter, 21-year-old son, and a 23-year-old son told my wife, we got to do a different thing. You know, we just can't really, you got to do this. They are grown folks. Two of them have children. So we have to be interrelated. We have to give counsel when asked. <laughs> and not say, I told you so, when it, they do something they're not supposed to do. See, you see some things that your children cannot see right now. Are you with me, church? You've been down some roads that, that look just like that road I went down. I don't think you want to go there. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. They don't say that, but sometimes the action will 
say it. And when they come back, we have to be like the prodigal son. We need to what? Embrace them. Celebrate them. They don't need to be ridiculed or condemned. Take the lesson and learn from it. Amen, church? Amen. So we can see it as long as we are in proximity of God. The last point this morning, let's look at verse 21. Verse 21. So it's he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. You can treasure the unseen by avoiding laying up all kinds of treasures. Now, I must confess this. My wife was working on this. I'm a hoarder. <laughs> I call it the lion's den. She said, no, that's a den of hoarding. And the more I look at it, I got remember of this and that. I got boxes I got to unpack. She said, have you used anything in that tub? I said, no. Well, you need to throw it out. Well, well, let me go through it for a second and see if there's anything I need. My mother always says, better to have and not need than to need and not have. And she only had a ninth grade education. But we just can't store up stuff that is not going to help us mature as Christians or help someone else mature as a Christian. Your life experiences is your testimony, church. Don't be afraid to share that. I'm in front of 200 students in my school, and they look at me as this professional athlete, this big guy, and I said, well, it wasn't always like this. Came out of high school at 175 pounds. Soaking wet. Did not always have a collar on. And I shared with them the hard times so they can get a perspective of what it really was like. Their world is the computer. When I first started teaching technology and I went to the board and started talking about counterclockwise and clockwise, they looked at me like, what are you talking about? And I took a while in the eighth grade. I said, like, how, 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 how don't you, why, why don't you know this? And then epiphany hit. Their world is what? Digital. They don't really see that second hand. They don't really look at that clock. So we have to reorientate ourselves. So even though those treasures that we have that we value, we also sometimes got to let some stuff go. Are you with me, church? And that stuff that's impeding you from growing into the vessel that God has created you for, we got to let it go. We don't need to have all the trophies in the house and all the plaques all up. There's only one degree that's hanging in the house now. It's my son's degree. So we don't need to treasure and lay up all these treasures that are not rich to God. Are you with me, church? The treasures of praying unceasingly, praying for a loved one. That's a treasure. Being there when someone falls and picking them up, that's a treasure. A kind word when someone is now battered or abused, defrained, or anything that's negative, 
we as the church have to embrace everyone. Are you with me, church? So we have to get rid of those treasures that does not help us grow into the likeness of God. And then when we do that, we will multiply. When we do that, the word Christ is going to expand and explode. And Knox, their slogan is, we are a small church with big expectations. Westminster House slogan, there is no retirement in God's kingdom. God is going to use you at any age as long as we be rich to him and not rich to this world. Amen? Amen. Amen. To God be the glory. Amen.